How y'all doing this morning? Good morning, good morning, welcome. We're so glad that you are here. For those of you in Brighton, we're, we're thankful you joined us on this beautiful winter morning. Uh, my name is Colston, and I have the privilege and honor of serving here at Northridge Church as the campus pastor at our Grozeal campus, as well as the community groups pastor. Yeah, thanks, I appreciate that, showing some love. If you didn't notice, the, the, the draw is, is back a little bit. Uh, I had the privilege of going back to the motherland, I mean, te- Texas. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's just ingrained in me, you know. And I guess to spend some time with family uh, over the New Year uh, holiday. So anytime I'm around family, I talk to them on the phone. The, the thing that's wired within me, that draw, just comes on out. So... Um, it'll go away in a couple weeks. Don't worry. It'll be back. But I'm curious. We're a couple weeks into the new year, and I'm, I'm just, I have to ask. I've asked everyone, but I'm curious. How many of you are still rocking your New Year's resolutions? You're doing good. Four, five, seven, twelve. Okay, yeah. That's what, that's what I thought. I, how many of you are honest? I mean, we are in church, right? How many of you know you failed? You've already messed up. Yes, there's some honest people in this room. Now, just a few though. I'm curious, how many of you simply just chose not to make any New Year's resolutions because you knew you would fail? Yes, my people, my people. That's right. Yeah, none of us want to fail, so we don't set them. But over the the new year, I had an opportunity um, to slow down a little bit and reflect on 2016. And I look back over the year and I, I tell you, there, was, um, there were some awesome moments. 2016 had some major highlights that God reminded me of this last year. And I know that's true for many of you. You experienced some of the highs of life. It was some awesome moments. For some of you, the love of your life, they asked you that question. And you said yes. You don't know what you just did, but you said yes. And this year, you're going to celebrate by getting married. For some of you, you welcomed a new addition to your family you're growing, your family hat brought the child home and that bundle of joy, that's what they tell you anyway, and you brought it home and you were thrilled. It's been a great year for you. For some of you, you got the job that you've been hoping for, the promotion. You went on the vacation of a lifetime. I know that there are some of you in this room, maybe even a few of you in Brighton, that checked off a few of the, the bucket list items, the things that you've always wanted to do. I had a few things, and as I look back last year, that was just great, a great time in, in 2016. But I also look back on 2016 and saw some difficult times. And I know the reality is this. For for many of you, 2016 was horrific. It was one of the worst years you've experienced maybe even your entire life. The pain, the hurt, the loss, the difficulty, the trials that you went through. I mean, just watching social media, so many people, you were just over it. You were done with last year. You were so excited to see 2017, just something to look forward to, something different, something that you could put everything in the past and and start looking forward. I get it. In the moments that I had to reflect on 2016, God brought to mind two very specific moments of last year where I failed. I failed miserably. The first failure that God brought to my mind was a, a failure with my daughter. I have a four-year-old and a 20-month-old, almost 21-month-old, so life is just uh, a bundle of joy and happiness, just in case my wife's watching. And 
But God brought to my mind this moment with my four-year-old. I come home from work. I walk in the door, and I can already hear her crying in her bedroom. So I go, and I, I talk to my wife. I say, what's going on? See, my wife had, had f- some friends over that afternoon. They brought their kids so all the kids could play, that kind of thing. And my, my daughter was crying because one of the little girls jerked a toy out of her hands and went off and played with it, and my daughter got her feelings hurt. And... And in that moment, there was this, this divine opportunity as I walked in the door. I had this very special moment that I could have taken to step towards my daughter, show her some love, teach her about forgiveness, and encourage her to go play. However, I failed. In that moment, I was too busy with getting the things done that I knew I needed to get done. I had a to-do list once I got home. And instead of stepping into that moment to to impact my daughter's life, to teach her this life lesson about forgiveness and how to love when someone hurts you, I simply chose to walk away. See, in my mind, I was thinking, this is what I thought. I did not say this. She's four years old. But I'm thinking, suck it up, buttercup. This is how life is. People are mean. They take things away from you. You don't get what you want. Welcome to the real world. Now, That's what I think, not what I said, but what did I do? Simply walked away. I missed it. I failed. The second time I I failed in 2016 that God brought to my mind, I'm sure there's many more failures, but these two specific, God, for whatever reason, thought I needed to remember. I was leaving a restaurant downtown in, in Detroit, and as I was walking out, there was a gentleman standing there asking for a few dollars so he could get the bus home. His bus card was empty. He didn't have any extra money. He just wanted a few bucks. And in that moment, I had this divine opportunity, this divine appointment to meet a very tangible need, a need that I could have met by saying yes, giving him a few bucks, but instead I failed. I said, sorry, man, not today, and I walked off. I'm proud of it. But I I realized in the moments of my failure that something took place. These two individuals, my daughter and this stranger, they failed to be impacted by the love of Jesus because I simply didn't act. I didn't act. I stood still. I walked away. And these two people missed out. The reality is there's always someone on the other side of our disobedience. When we choose not to act and step into these moments where we can tangibly show love and and, and express Jesus to people, there's others on the other side of that that miss out. See, we typically think of our failure, though. We think of our failure a failure of action, that we did the bad thing. We broke the rules. We did what was wrong. And that's true. The scripture teaches us that, that any time that we break the rules, we miss the mark. It, they call it sin. God has a certain standard and expectation for how we're to live. And we have failures of action when we do just the opposite, when we don't do that. We make our own decisions. That's failure of action. But there's also this thing in scripture that's this failure of inaction. James chapter 4, verse 17 says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. For him to send that failure of inaction. I had a unique divine appointment with two individuals last year and I failed. Not because I did bad things or 
or broke the rules, but I failed because I didn't act. I didn't move into it. See, I've experienced the, the unconditional love and forgiveness of Jesus. I understand what he, his sacrifice on the cross did. And when I gave my life to him, it transformed me. It changed who I am on the inside. And because I've experienced the love of Jesus and, and the forgiveness and what it means to have hope and meaning and purpose, I have now responsibility to live a life of impact. See, the truth that I want to, to share with you today, the truth that Jesus reminded me of in the moment when I was enjoying some barbecue in Texas in, in December with 70 degrees and a t-shirt. Sorry. Just had to throw it out there. The truth is this. God calls every single one of us to live lives of impact. Every single one of us. He's called us to live lives of impact. See, when you've experienced the unconditional love of Jesus, it is a transformative love. You cannot intersect Jesus and what he did on the cross without it changing you. It's impossible. Unconditional love does that to people. It changes you. The way that Jesus describes it in Matthew chapter 22, he says it like this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, once you've experienced the love, the forgiveness, the redemption, the transforming power of Jesus in your life, Jesus tells us that we are to do everything in our power to love God back. He first loved us, so therefore we love him back. And then he says that we're to take that love and to love other people, to give them a taste of what we've experienced, what we know, the power of unconditional love and forgiveness from Jesus. That changes people. God calls us to live lives of impact by taking these very unique divine appointments that he sets up for us and saying yes, stepping into it to show love in a very tangible way. Why? Because we've received the love from him. A love that we didn't deserve, but he gave to us anyway. But the reality is this. If we were honest with ourselves, we too would look back, each and every one of you could look back on 2016 and you too would find failures of inaction. If you're honest. We all fail. Yes, we all have failures of action. We all know that. If you don't, just ask your spouse. But you, the reality is, we, that's not hard to admit that we have failures of action. But failures of inaction, these divine appointments where you have the unique ability to, to love someone very tangibly, we all have those failures. And we, the reason we fit, we sit still. We don't move into it. We don't step towards it. We just stand there. Or in one of my situations, I walked by it, ignoring it. We all have those issues. But I'm so thankful to be able to share this truth with you on this stage this Northridge stage, because being a part of a faith family that has a mission and a desire to see lives change from the hope of Jesus. Our vision as a church is to see the, uh, to see the world changed by the hope of Jesus. We want to see every single person encounter the unconditional love and forgiveness that Jesus offers. And I'm so thankful to be a part of the church that, that is a forward advancing, moving that mission down the road. How are we going to accomplish that? By waking the world up to him, showing them his love, telling them, tr them his truth, and getting them involved. 
This isn't some holy huddle, country club, exclusive stuff for no more, shut the door kind of mess. That's not what this is about. Because when you've experienced the, the love and the transforming power of Jesus, you can't help but love others. God calls us to live lives of impact, and I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that that's what we want to do. So thankful. But again, if we're all honest with ourselves, we failed. A lot of us, we failed. For, there's all kinds of reasons why we failed. For some of us, we don't act. We sit still because of fear. We're afraid of what the unknown is. If I say yes to this moment, if I, I move into this, I have no idea what's going to happen. You're afraid of your inabilities. For some of us, it's, it's our, our perceived lack of skill set. I don't have what it takes. You don't understand who I am. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough to step into this. So what we do is we allow our perception of ourselves to hold us back from saying yes to these moments that God calls us to. For some of us, it's our failure of action. We look at our past and we look at it and go, there's no way. You have no idea what I've done. You have no clue the mistakes I've made. You have no idea what I'm doing right now. There's no way, God, that I can say yes and move into this and make an impact in someone's life. You've got the wrong person. So we let our, our past hold us back from what God wants us to do now. We allow our failures. For some, we allow our own agenda. I, I have yet, I take that back. This weekend, I met one person for the first time in my life that was not busy. One. I called my 91-year-old grandmother on the phone. Mimi, what you doing? How you doing? She said, I'm just busy, busy, busy. You're 91, Mimi. What do you mean you're busy? How are you busy at 91? I, one person this weekend I met that said they weren't busy. We're all busy. We all have things to do. Some of you, you are that person that has like the three-year plan, the five-year plan, the 10-year plan, 15-year plan. You got to lay it. This is what, this is the plan. Got to stick to the plan. Can't deviate from the plan. We allow our own agenda to get in the way. We're busy. Got to take the kids to this practice, to that rehearsal, this recital. Oh, I got to hang out with my buddies. I got to do the, the date night. We do all kinds. We're busy people. We allow our own agenda to stand in the way from making an impact. We stand still. We don't move. We all have our own excuses. Every one of us, we have excuses as to why in the world we don't step into those moments, those divine appointments that God puts in front of us to tangibly love someone and impact their life. And, and just at the same time I was going through this and, and God was reminding me of my, my failures of inaction, I was reading Exodus and, and the story of Moses. I mean, it's a story that I've heard over and over and over. I've read it many, many times as a kid. But there's some realities that took place in the life of Moses that I want to share with you this morning. Because God has called each and every one of us to live lives of impact. Because remember, there's always someone on the other side of our inobedience. Our disobedience, not inobedience. That's not a word. Maybe in Texas. <laughs> disobedience. There's always someone on the other side. That we fail to impact when we say no, when we stand still, or when we walk by. So the question is, how do we live lives of impact? And I think the life of Moses has that for us. So if you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 2, 3, 4, we're going to look at just a brief section of his life. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're not going to read it all. Calm down. If you have the ability, you can pull it up on your Bible, on your smartphone. Uh, even the Northridge app has it. 
The verses will be on the screen. But as you're turning there, I want to remind, kind of give you a, a history lesson real quickly so you understand the context of what we're about to read. Moses was born... Um, as part of God's chosen family. Exodus describes them as the Hebrews. Uh, we know them as the children of Israel. They're interchangeable kind of terms there. But he was born a part of God's family. And he was born at a season and a time where God's family was in slavery. They had been in Egypt. Uh, most, the Bible teaches us that they were there for 400 years. And God had his hand of blessing upon his people even while they were in, in slavery, in bondage. And they continued to grow and multiply, and the nation of Israel got huge. In fact, um, most theologians think that there's roughly two to three million Israelites living in slavery in Egypt at the time. And because they had grown so big and God's hand of blessing was on them, uh, Pharaoh instituted this law that said every male child that is born is to be thrown into the Nile and killed, slaughtered. And this is the context in which Moses was born. He comes into this world as his mother ignores the law to have him tossed in the river, and she hides him. She hides him as long as she can until one day it's just not possible to hide a kid anymore. So she takes him, wraps him up, put him in a basket, and sets him down in the river. And there's this very special divine appointment because Pharaoh's daughter comes down to the river just at the right time and finds Moses in the basket. Moses is adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, and he's raised in the palace. Even though he's an Egyptian, even though his people are oppressed in slavery, he doesn't experience that himself. He's educated and brought up with luxury. He never knew what it was like not to have because he always did. And so as Moses grew up, he grew up in the palace with, lap, uh, with luxury, with, with all the amenities that that, that took. Exodus chapter uh, 2, verse 11 and 12 it says this, one day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So Moses goes out to walk amongst the people, and he sees the oppression. He sees it firsthand how the Hebrews are being oppressed by the Egyptian, and he sees an opportunity, and he devises his own plan, his own scheme to help. And in that moment, he, he makes a decision to murder. A failure of action. That is bad. He failed. A failure of action. But what he does is he hides it. He buries it in the sand. Anybody ever done that? Taken their failure, pretending and hid it? Can you relate? In hopes that no one would ever find out? Moses buries the Egyptian in the sand and goes on about his day. As the Bible, the story continues, what you find is Moses goes out a few days later and he sees two Hebrews, his own people, butting heads, fighting with each other. He comes up to him and says, guys, guys, listen to me. What are you doing? How is it that you treat each other this way so terribly? The Egyptians beat on you enough. How, why are you fighting with each other? They turned and looked to him and said, who are you? Didn't you just kill somebody the other day? You don't have any right to tell us how to treat one another. And in that moment, everything changed for him. He knew that his sin had been found out. He knew in that moment that he had to do something. And what he chose to do because of his failure of action, he chose to run. To run away from it. To get away. He knew that if Pharaoh found out that Pharaoh would kill him, so he took off and he headed to Midian. What about you? 
Ever had a failure of action that you hid and then you, it was exposed and you just ran away from it? Try to get out of Dodge, start over. Moses ran, and he ran to this place called Midian. He was out in the wilderness. He shows up on the scene and gets to know the people of Midian. He meets the priest, Jethro, and eventually marries his daughter, starts a family, and Moses now has a new occupation, a new identity. He is now a shepherd tending his father-in-law's flock. Most theologians teach us believe that Moses is in the desert tending the flock of his father-in-law for 40 years. 40 years. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. It says this. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, but yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see it, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take off your sandal, take the sandals off your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at the Lord. Moses is doing what Moses has done for 40 years, tending the flock, watching them. And in the moment of doing his routine, his normal day-to-day, he sees a bush on fire. Curious, how many of you have ever seen a bush on fire? I didn't think so. Most of you, you live in Michigan. It rains every three days. You won't catch bushes or trees on fire. Growing up in the south, we have fires. Living in Southern California when I did, lightning strikes, burns down everything. So a burning bush may not have been the most unusual thing. But you know what is unusual? A bush that's on fire but it's not consumed. And God uses this bush and this moment to get Moses' attention. Moses steps towards it, and God calls him to something very special. Exodus 3, verse 10 and 11. He says, come, I'm going to send you, Moses, to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out? God uses this burning bush moment to call Moses to a life of impact, to step into a moment Because there's millions of people on the other side waiting, waiting for Moses to act. And Moses' response to this calling was, who am I? Come on now. I'm no one. I I think you get the wrong guy, Moses. Excuse me. I think you get the wrong guy, God. I, I don't think you realize who you're talking to. Maybe you need to. And what Moses does in this moment, when God calls him to live a life of impact, he gives excuses Exodus 4, verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent in either the past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. You want me to stand before Pharaoh and demand the the release of, of millions of people, and I can't even speak right. I can't even talk right. Yeah, yeah, God, there's no way. I cannot do this. Exodus chapter 4, he goes on. Moses says, Oh, my Lord, please send somebody else. Come on. Send somebody else. God calls Moses to live a life of impact, and Moses is finding every excuse under the sun not to step into it, all the way to the point in saying, God, use someone else, not me. Don't call me. I can't do it. Send someone else. Then I love this. If, if, you've, if you're a parent that have ever told your kids 13 times what to do, verse, verse 14, the anger of the Lord was kindled like against Moses. I just find that funny. God got annoyed with Moses and all of his excuses. 
And he says, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he's coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. God says, okay, I'm calling you, but I'm not going to call you alone. I'm going to send your brother Aaron to go with you. And as the story plays, Moses eventually does say yes. He steps into this calling. He goes to Pharaoh, and the, uh, God uses Moses as a mouthpiece for him. God frees his people and sends them on their way. An incredible opportunity that Moses had to make a, live a life of impact, and, he's, and he did that. Doesn't mean it wasn't without difficulty. Doesn't mean, especially if you know some of the other backstory, there's a lot of difficult times ahead for Moses. But the most important thing is he said yes in this very moment. He stepped into it. And if you and I, we're going to live lives of impact. If we're going to show up uh, January 2018, looking back on 2017, and we are going to stand here and say, you know what? I did it. I live life of impact. I don't have those regrets. I don't have those inactions. There's a few things I want us to recognize about what goes on in Moses' life in this moment. So the first thing is this. If we're going to live life of impact... We have to get connected. We have to get connected. Connected to God specifically. See, one of the things Moses did when God called him to do this, to to step into, to to stand before Pharaoh, he made this promise to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. He says, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. See, when God called Moses to do this, to make an impact, God made this promise, I'm gonna be with you. There's this, this, this intimate setting here that God says, when you take this step, I'm gonna step with you. And when you go this way, I'm gonna go this way with you. Where I call you, I'm gonna be there every step of the way. This isn't some like, I'm gonna be around, you know, you can, you can, you can read about me in the Bible. This is a personal Intimate relationship that, that God says, I'm going to stand with you every step of the way. So I have a question for you. Are you connected with God in a way that you have such a personal relationship, he steps with you every single day, in every step, every move? See, I think there's a lot of us that sit in the seats and we know a lot about God, but we don't walk with him every single day and he doesn't walk with us. We know him, but we don't have a relationship with him, this intimate connection with God knowing that he is there and present with us. See, Jesus gave his life for you and I so that we could step into this relationship where we could experience unconditional love and forgiveness from him that connects us with him in a, a very unique, personal way. And I'm curious, are you connected to God in that way? For some of you, 2016 was the greatest year of your life Because you made the best decision you could ever make, and that was to say yes to Jesus. You stepped into a personal relationship with him. I wonder, are you connected to God in that way? So if you would do me this favor in this moment, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe you've been doing this church thing for many, many years. You have a lot of knowledge about Jesus, about God. But the reality is you have never surrendered who you are to him. You've never experienced his transforming love and forgiveness in your life. You know it, but you've never experienced it. And maybe this morning, your burning bush moment, the thing that God is calling you to is to to step into a personal relationship with him. And if that's where you're at this morning, here's what I want you to do. In your heart where you sit, I I simply want you to cry this out to God in however you need to say it to him.
God, I know that I'm a failure. God, I know that I've got failure of action and failure of inaction. God, I know that there's sin in my life. But I, I, God, I, I believe with all that's in me that you love me, that you gave your son for me, and that you forgive me. God, so in this moment, I'm asking for your forgiveness, and I am surrendering who I am. I'm giving my life to you, God. God, walk with me and give me the strength and the power to walk with you. God, I give you my life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. For some of you, you just made the greatest decision of your entire life in 2017. To say yes and to step into a personal relationship with Jesus. To experience it and seek his forgiveness. And if we're going to live lives of impact, now that you've experienced it, you know that he loves you and he's forgiven you, we're to live that out. Every single day connected with him. So understand this, whatever God calls you into, he promises you, he walks with you every step of the way. So whatever burning bush moment is next, whatever burning bush he has for you, he is there. But remember, Moses got connected to God in a personal way, every step of the way, but he also got connected with Aaron. God provided someone there to be a support and encouragement to motivate and, and push Moses when he was done, when he didn't want to do what God had called him to do. I have a question for you. Who's your Aaron? Who's your Aaron? Who are the people in your life or the person in your life that's pushing you to live lives of impact? Who, are, who is the individual that you know that's going to be there with you no matter how bad things get? I want you to be honest with yourself just for a moment. I want you to consider the sphere of, uh, of friends that you have, the circle of friends that you have. Are they pushing you and encouraging and challenging you to live lives of impact? Are they the type of people that are going to help you live that out? See, at Northridge, our heart's desire is for people to experience Jesus, but we understand that God never intends us to do this alone. And we work as hard as we can to provide environments for you to meet your Aaron, to meet your group of Aaron's, to find people that are going to love you exactly how you are and encourage you to step in and say yes to these moments that God calls you to. I don't know if you're the type of person that comes to church week in and week out, and the reason you love sitting in a huge auditorium like this, because nobody will talk to you. <laughs> I know you're here, and we're thankful you are. You're not intended to do this thing called life alone. God never intended that. So you showed up this weekend at a very special time at Northridge because we're working uh, to engage and push you to get connected into all kinds of different environments for you to find your Aaron. Men's ministry, women's ministry, community groups, marriage ministry. There's all kinds of places for you to step into, say yes to, make a move to get connected to find your Aaron. The people that are gonna encourage you and challenge you to live in your faith to live lives of impact. We have to get connected. Moses did not do this alone. God walked with him every step of the way, and guess who was there? Aaron was as well. If we're gonna live lives of impact, we have to be connected. But the next thing is this, is that we have to get focused. Pastor Brad, a couple weeks ago in his life marker uh, message, he talked about, he asked this question, are you focused on the right things? See, what, when, Moses, when God called Moses to make, live a life of impact, to, to go to Egypt, what did Moses focus on? His past, his failures, his inability, the things he wasn't any good at, 
He focused on everything but the power of God and what God was calling him to do. If we're going to live lives of impact, we have to get our focus on God himself. Notice what it says. Um, we have to get focused. Notice Exodus chapter 4. And Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they're going to say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what's in your hand? He said, a staff. God said, okay, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. Chicken. God used a burning bush to get Moses' attention. Moses had been doing the same thing for 40 years. I think he was content with this as, as good as life gets until the burning bush moment showed up. God used, in this moment, God used the staff to remind Moses of who is ultimately in control. Who has the power? God does. Let me ask you a question. What's the difference? How do you know the difference between a bush on fire and a bush on fire that's not consumed? How do you know the difference? Answer, you slow down long enough to watch it burn for a little while to know that it's not consumed. My point is this, is when we're not focused on God and living lives of impact, we walk by burning bush moments every single day thinking, ah, it's nothing. It's the same thing I've always seen. It's just a bush on fire. We walk by and we miss an opportunity to live a life of impact. I wonder how many burning bush moments have we missed simply because we weren't focused on living a life of impact. We were focused on our to-do list. We were focused on our failures. We were focused on all the excuses of why we can't. And in that very moment, God had this divine appointment, this burning bush moment, and we walked right by it. Those burning bush moments, those moments where you have this unique opportunity to be a tangible blessing and show the love of Jesus to someone, and we move by it. I wonder how many burning bush moments at work that you've missed. You walked right by the coworker, the boss. I wonder how many burning bush moments God provided for you to, to forgive that person in your family that you just don't want to. The opportunity to be a tangible blessing to somebody. Remember, there's always someone on the other side of our disobedience, waiting in the balance. And if you and I, if we're going to live lives of impact, we have to be focused on God and, and that mission of impacting people, loving people. Otherwise, he provides us opportunity after opportunity, and we miss it. Failure of inaction. We've got to get focused Moses got connected to God and Aaron. He got focused eventually on who God was and what he was calling him to do. He got focused. And so the next thing we've got to do is we've got to move. We've got to move. It's impossible to live a life of impact sitting still. You realize love is an action verb? You've you got to do something. You gotta, it's got to be expressed in some way. We've all had people tell us we love us and they were just empty words. Love has to be expressed. Know this. Moses saw the burning bush. He saw there was something different about it. And then he stepped towards it. It was not until Moses took that step that God spoke. 
It wasn't until he stepped towards this unique opportunity did God call him into a life of impact. He saw there was something different. He saw this unique opportunity, and he stepped towards it, and that is when God spoke. We have to move. When we see those opportunities in front of us, we may not know how it's going to play out. We may not know what their needs are. We may not have any of the details, but I understand this. We'll never live lives of impact sitting still. Some of us, we've been coming to this thing called church for years, sitting on our blessed assurance, just soaking it all in, thinking that this is what we're supposed to do when God has called us to live a life of impact. You can't do that unless you're moving forward. You're saying yes to these opportunities, the divine appointments. You can't. Moses moved. The nation of Israel stood in the balance, and God walked with him every step of the way. In 2017, I have made one New Year's resolution. My one New Year's resolution this year is to say yes. Not to everything, but to say yes to every burning bush moment that I come across. I don't want to look back in my life and see all these regrets, all these failures of inaction because I was too busy focused on the wrong things, disconnected from God, and a group of people challenged me to live a life of impact. I want to live a life of impact. So my one New Year's resolution is to say yes. To say yes to the things that God calls me to. The moments, these divine appointments. What about you? What is God calling you into? What burning bush moments do you know that exist right now in your life that you simply need to say yes to? You need to take a step to. For some of you, maybe you've called this place Northridge home for many years. And you've heard those ministries and those outreach programs and things like Love Runs. You've heard all these things asking for you to get involved. And you've just sat there. Maybe God is calling you into that. I don't know what your next step is. I don't know what your burning bush moment is. But I understand this. You'll never live a life of impact if you sit still. It's time to move. Northridge, if, you, if you're online or in Brighton or any of our campuses, this connection card right here. Right here on your program, there's all kinds of places that this may be the way for you to take your next step here in this faith family. If you prayed and gave your life to Jesus, let us know that because we do have some very specific next steps we would love for you to take. We're right now in the season of of launching Starting Point. If you're in this faith journey figuring it out, still trying to figure out Jesus, or maybe today you you gave your life to God but you were kind of curious how all this plays out, Starting Point is the place you need to step into. There's, lo- there's tables in our lobbies. I'd love for you to get connected there. What is your next step? Take that connection card, fill it out. If you're online, you can hit the what's next button. But there's boxes as you leave to drop this in. Every single one of us have a next step. All of us. Because all of us have been called by God to live lives of impact. I don't know what your burning bush moment is. But I know this. There's someone or a group of someones in the balance waiting for you to say yes. And when you do, you impact a life in the name of Jesus. Lives change, leaders change, church changes, and the world changes. So family, it's time that we move. It's time that we take a step. And as my family used to say down south, gone, get. (laughs) It's time for you to move. Now seriously, gone, get. You guys have a good weekend. Thank you for being here.